This is the Roster Up Podcast. Welcome into the Christmas edition of the Roster Up DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Engel. And I'd like to welcome you in and tell you Merry Christmas. Hope you've enjoyed a nice, relaxing day with your families. And we're happy to get you some Week 16 content. Going to be covering the three-game slate on this episode, hopefully covering it quick. Unfortunately, my partner in crime, my co-host, the meteorologist, Rob McWilliams, is unable to join us this week. As he is celebrating with his family, like most of you are, I was able to get a quick break, record a quick podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's go ahead and dive in. First game on this three-gamer is Tampa Bay versus Detroit, over under 54. The line is currently set at 9.5, open at 7.5. has ticked up a couple points. I think we all expect Tampa Bay to run away with this game and uh, to really destroy the Lions. Tampa Bay looks like they're starting to get in a groove, get it going again. So I think we can load up on some bucks here. Obviously, uh, Tom Brady coming in at 6,800. That's about where his price has been for several weeks now. So that's not too much of a shocker. Stafford injured, depleted uh, in his receiving core. This coaching staff is apparently depleted as well now. Stafford at 5,600 against the Bucks. I mean, he should be having to fling it around. The Bucks uh, are a pace-up spot for most teams. And if they're playing ahead, they should speed up the Lions even more. So maybe we can get a 300-yard passing game from Stafford. Hard to really t- tell there, though, what Lions are going to show up, what's going to be going on this week with their uh, depleted coaching staff as well. On to running back. Uh, we got DeAndre Swift in at 6,400. Listen, if they're going to give uh, DeAndre Swift that utili- utilization they gave him last week, according to Dwayne McFarland over at Pro Football Focus, it was his second highest uh, snap share, second highest utilization rate on the season. So if they continue to load him up, then I think Swift is playable. You guys know I love him. Had him in last week. He was a nice GPP play. Was able to smash that value, and his price has not fluctuated at all. Looks like Rojo is still out for the Bucks, so you can plug in Uncle Lynn if you want to i'm never a big fan of him he really got there last week because of the two one yard touchdowns now the lions have one of the worst rushing defenses in the league we know that we attack that all the time so if we expect the lions to if we expect the bucks to be playing with the lead most of this game then i think you can look to leonard fournette at 5500 if he can get into that 15 20 uh, point range i think we'll be fine i do expect him to be highly owned on this three games late so if you want to you can probably pivot fade elsewhere, but he's probably just going to get the volume. He's going to get the goal line work, and they do like to use him as a pass catcher a little bit. So obviously he's very playable. He's probably slightly more playable than Slip, than Swift in most people's eyes, but from a tournament tournament perspective, I prefer Swift just because of that utilization, his explosiveness, that pass catching prowess that he brings, and the Lions have such a concentrated offense. We know with the Bucks, the Bucks have a very – Good offense. It looks like it's getting better, but they have so many weapons that they just spread it around. It's hard to target who's going to go off in Tampa Bay week to week. It's what makes uh, Brady difficult to stack, even though he's very playable at 6,800 against the Lions defense. 
Mike Evans at 6,100, touchdown king. I swear this guy scores a touchdown every week. His price has come down uh, from what it was in recent weeks. Last week, six catches on seven targets, 110 yards. Um, finally was able to break that 100-yard mark for only the third time this season. He's primarily made his uh, uh, made his money in the end zone. Uh, they use him around the end zone, around the one-yard line a lot, although last week Uncle Lynn – got those handoffs. Evans at 6,100 is very playable against an awful Lions defense. Really all of these receivers for the uh, Lions or for the Bucks are playable. Godwin, Evans, AB. We attacked Antonio Brown last week. He's going to be my most favorite again. Uh, just And I expect him to be higher owned this week than he was last week. Um, I think AB is uh, – People are, have caught on to his target share, his air yard share, and he was Brady just finally connected with him on a deep ball last week. So I do expect AB to be the best value play in this Bucks receiving core at 5,300 for me this year with the Bucks. I've typically just taken the most opportunistic, cheapest player and tried to plug them into my lineups. Last week it worked out. Some weeks it doesn't. They're very hard to peg, but on three games late, getting the Bucks receivers uh, correct is probably what a lot of the slate is going to hinge on. I'm not too interested in the Lions, guys. I know Marvin Jones is – been playing really well. He's been popping. Uh, had a great week last week, and his price actually dropped significantly. It's down below 5K, sitting at 4,900. Kind of feels like a trap price to me. Don't want to overthink it, but you know, in cash, three mans, things like that, you're probably just going to end up plugging to Mar- Marvin Jones. I think if I'm building one or two tournament lineups for this three game slate, I'm not sure if I'm going to fade him yet, but it's highly likely that I do. You guys know I'm not a big Marvin Jones fan. It's kind of one of those things where, hey, prove it to me. Do it twice. You know, uh, this Tampa Bay defense could funnel some targets toward Danny Amendola or Quintess Cyphus. You know, I think most of that volume is – if they shut down Marvin Jones, it's probably mostly going to Hawkinson and Swift. Uh, that's the thing about this Lions offense. Even though I don't like Marvin Jones, it's just so concentrated because everyone's injured, depleted. There's not a lot um, – there's not, not a lot of mouths to feed, especially with Galladay continuing to be out. And looks like I doubt he plays next week as well. He should be done for the rest of the season. Uh, speaking of, I mentioned Hawkinson, very playable. I actually think he's the number one play in the Lions offense. On three-game slates, I don't think you have to pay down at tight end like we do with um, – like we do on other slates. So Hawk is certainly very playable at 4,600 with his volume. I think he's uh, could be in for a nice week. We expect the Lions to be trailing. And, you know, I kind of expect Carlton Davis to be over there on Marvin Jones, kind of limit his ceiling and maybe um, that funnels some targets towards Hawkinson. And we know the Bucks, even though they have a good yards per carry rush defense, I expect them to give up a few passes to Swift in the air. Um, I don't think like guys like Peterson or anything like that are playable. Keyshawn Vaughn, if you really want to get cute, maybe they start involving him more. Um, but that would be really just large field or desperation plays for me right there. Uh, 3,800 for the Bucks defense. It's really hard for me to pay 3,800. I would almost rather play 2K for the Lions defense, even though they're probably going to give up 30 points. Uh, Brady has turned the ball over several times this year. So, you know, maybe they can get a fluky play there. But obviously with that depleted Lions defense at 3,800, the Bucks should 
you know, they, they, they're not going to get you negative points. They're, you know, going to have a shot at getting 10 plus fantasy points. So, you know, they're perfectly playable there, but you know, we're not going to dive into defense too much. And I will say this about defense. I don't think you have to worry about uh, correlating like defense and running backs or things like that as much this week, maybe on a small slate, if you want to correlate your defense with a wide receiver kick returner or something like that, and try to get double points off of a crazy play, which is very rare, very low probability outcome. But if you're playing a large tournament and want to think that way, I think it's plausible, but for the most part, um, I, if you're playing, you can play your, uh, quarterback against your defense, your running back against your defense, things like that on these small slates. You don't have to um, worry about, you know, playing your defense against your offensive players because, like, one fluky thing can happen. You know, there's only four or five other defenses that need to um, outscore them or even have a better value. So, again, I think it's one of those things you just can't overthink defense. Look for one that's going to have the highest probability at scoring a touchdown. You know, it's – it's a high variance position, high variance outcomes. That's all I'm really going to say on that. You know, you can look at any of these teams, Cardinals, Niners, Cardinals at 3,300, Niners at 2,700. Dolphins at 4K are a bit much for me. I don't think Derek Carr turns the ball over enough. So I'm probably definitely not playing them. Uh, Raiders against Tua, maybe. They don't force a lot of turnovers. I got a feeling my defense is probably going to end up being Arizona or San Francisco. But, you know, again, that's going to be something I'm going to, uh, just end up seeing where it fits in terms of salary. Speaking of this San Francisco and Arizona game, we've got a 48 and a half point total, five point spread in favor of Arizona. Looks like CJ Beathard is getting the start for San Francisco. Um, George Kittle is supposed to be back. Now that's going to be interesting for sure. And I do wonder how people are going to approach this game now that uh, Kittle is back in business. Um, you know, I, I don't expect him to be limited. He's practiced the last couple weeks, so I think he will be fine. I think he will be playable. Um, yeah, is but you guys know, I love me some Brandon Najuk, but uh, we'll get to those guys in a second. We'll cover the quarterback pricing first. Kyler Murray at 7,500, loved him as a nice value play last week. Um, he was someone that was in my final player pool, one of the, my highest owned quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, I love that rushing equity. He was getting healthy, getting back to running the ball quite a bit. And so I was all over Kyler Murray. He had a nice game against San Francisco in the season opener with 27 fantasy points. He was 26-40, 230 yards, a touchdown. Uh, ran all over them for 91 yards and a touchdown. And that was early in the year when he was running like crazy. He looks to get be getting back to that. So I think Murray is very playable once again. This game is at home in Arizona. So, uh I think Arizona can pace up San Francisco like they do other teams. You know, they're one of the quickest teams in the league or the quickest team in the league. So Murray at 7,500 with that rushing equity, as long as he's back running the ball plenty um, and healthy and that shoulder's looking fine, he's playable at any price, especially on a small slate. Um, There's not a lot of guys that would fade him for. And then it looks like we're getting C.J. Beathard at 5K. I mean, you can have at it if you want to. I think he'll end up playing the whole game. Um, you know, he's a cheap stack with uh, the 49ers players. I, I think that can help out pretty okay. When I look at these 5K guys that are getting a start, I'm just always like, oh, you've got to – you got to be kidding me. I can't believe we got to be plugging this guy in. 
Um, can't believe the Niners are where they are in terms of their quarterback issues, but it looks like we might get some good opportunity from C.J. Beathard here. Um, we know the 49ers want to come in and run the ball 30, 40 times and cover him up, which they can do against the Cardinals. But if Cardinals jump out to a lead, C.J. Beathard at 5K, if he's throwing and forced to um, rush even a little bit, he's not going to run a ton, but even if he's forced to do a little bit in comeback mode, I guess the Cardinals, I, you know, I think he could meet value. I think I might like Beathard better than I do Stafford at the moment just because the price, he's 5K, he's the cheapest quarterback on this slate, uh, cheapest starting quarterback. I know Derek Carr is 5,100, but I'd rather play Beathard against the Cardinals than Carr against uh, the Dolphins, to be honest with you. So he's he's perfectly playable. It's it's purely a price just price and matchup play. Uh, I don't love it. Don't really like it that much. Makes me a little sick to even say it, but it's possible I end up plugging CJ Beathard into my lineups. So, yeah, we'll see about that. Um, I'll just have to think about it overnight. Kenyon Drake at fifty two hundred against San Francisco. I'm not really someone that's going to be playing them. Uh, running backs against San, San Francisco. Kenyon Drake is inconsistent for me. I've actually took the under on his rushing total last week at 53 and a half and it paid off nicely it was a negative matchup for him uh, Murray was getting healthier running the ball more so then Murray just starts pulling on those um, zone reads and kicks it outside and then when they get into the red zone uh, teams are spaced out because Edmonds is in and that's how Edmonds ends up getting those uh, rushing touchdowns or receiving touchdowns when they get inside the 10 to 20 yard line and that happened last week that's been a theme with them for a lot of the year and that's how they run their offense and it's why I'm not a big fan of Drake most weeks I know he's had a couple good weeks I think the only week I've really loved him this year was the Dallas game um and most of the other weeks I've been fairly successful fading him out outside of his one or two blow-up games but Edmonds is just going to eat away at those some of those high value touches if they get inside the five Drake is in the game but Murray can still pull it especially now that he's healthier he can still pull it and run it in himself looks like we are once again without Raheem, the dream moster. Poor guy cannot stay healthy. Um, really hate it for him. Love watching Raheem Mostert run the ball. Going to make Jeff Wilson playable. I think I like Jeff Wilson. In this game, he's probably my favorite running back. We know that Kyle Shanahan loves him. We know he's going to get the goal line work. Uh, so he should get plenty of carries, plenty of opportunities. He had 16 carries last week. So I think we can expect something similar this week. I don't think he's very – he's got a very good yards per carry. He struggles there, but he has shown where he can have an explosive play or two here. And at 5K, that's all we're really looking for. They will throw in the ball a little bit. I'm not too worried about Tevin Coleman and Jerry McKinnon. Uh, McKinnon uh, just isn't going to get the workhorse role. He's going to be a pass catcher. And Tevin Coleman, even though Kyle Shanahan loves him dearly, uh, almost as much as Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. Uh, I think he's come to the realization that Coleman is just not very good. Um, you know, a couple of wasted contracts there with Coleman and McKinnon, but you live and you learn, don't you, 49ers? I say that as a Dallas fan. So don't come at me, people. I understand the contract we gave Zeke. All right. So let's just move on to wide receiver here, where we've got D Hop, my guy came through for me big time last week, was loving, absolutely loving what I was seeing there with that D-Hop to Murray connection. 
I think it'll be just fights perfectly playable again this week. It's in a very expensive stack. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you about 15.5, 15.8, nearly 16 grand to stack these two together. That's very expensive. You're going to need a couple of big games. But if you think Murray and D-Hop connect and do it again, I mean, last week, 37 and 34 points, that's plenty to pay off their price tags, especially on a small slate. Um, so D-Hop, once again, playable. Uh, Brandon Ajuk, love this kid. I think he's fantastic. I uh, loved him last week. He just missed hitting the over on his receiving total, but he did have 13 targets and a touchdown. Um, his yards per catch average was only 8.1 after being in double digits for all but a couple games this year. So I think he can burn the Cardinals deep here. I think he can have another big game. It's likely I end up locking Ajuk in, even with Kittle back uh, for the 49ers. I'm not really touching any of these other guys. I think Kirk is playable. They like to take a couple shots to Kirk per game. He's only getting three, four, five targets the last few weeks. Uh, just missed him on deep shot last week. So I think you can play Kirk again. Um, you know, he, he is what he is. He's a big play guy. You need a 50-yard touchdown catch from him and, or maybe a little more. And that's what you're looking for. That's that's what he's turned into. He's never really turned into this consistent uh, player that I think a lot of people thought he was going to be in that offense. But he does have a lot of upside. You're just taking on a significant amount of downside when you play him. However, at 3,800, I think he's perfectly playable. I mean, I know I liked him last week. I like him again this week. I know he's. we've got um, Larry Fitzgerald back and, you know, and – the last few weeks in terms of um, air yard share, he's got only got a 17% air yard share. D hop has 35% of the air yard share, 28% of the target share. And uh, Chris Kirk, he kind of sits there with the rest of the guys. He's second in air share, but he's really not that impressive because he's uh, still tied for third on the team in target share the last four weeks. I don't think those are very good metrics but they're at least going to take a couple shots to him. You know, I say all that to say you've got to consider all of that. when you got to understand what you're plugging in if you put Kirk into your lineup. Uh, he's purely a tournament play. He's the kind of play I love to plug into my lineup. He's the kind of guy I like, so I'll definitely be considering him. But you got to keep in mind that uh, his role is just diminishing after that midseason run. However, Kyler's big games outside of last week um, – are heavily correlated with Kirk's big games because they hit each other on these deep balls and um, speed up the game. So, you know, last week Larry Fitzgerald got the touchdown, was getting some of the targets. If Kirk can get it this week, it's there in terms of tournaments on a three-game slate. I'll be considering him. I just gave you all the stats to make sure you understand the risk. I'm not a Larry Fitzgerald guy. I get, I like him. You know, 3400 is an okay price, but – he kind of really needs a touchdown to uh, do his thing there. His If he's going to reach double digits, there's not a lot of upside. His upside is really 10, 12 points. You know, he'll have those games where maybe he gets seven, eight, nine targets, but that's really in games where they're trailing and in comeback mode. He just has those uh, low A dot, low yards per catch routes that are going to limit his upside. So that's why even though he's got slightly higher target share in the offense right now, 
I would prefer Kirk over Larry Fitz at the time being. I'm not looking at any other Niners wide receivers. I'm sure if you like as a tournament play a Kendrick Bourne or a type of play, you can go there, certainly look at it. But my top play in this game wide receiver is going to be a Juke. I still love Hopkins. The price is expensive, but Hopkins is perfectly playable. And then my third favorite is going to be Kirk. He's going to be my favorite tournament play just because of that price combined with his upside. But you got to keep in mind the downside you're taking on. George Kittle supposed to be back. You know, at 5K, I think he's going to get high ownership. He's perfectly playable. Um, so we'll see. Just follow the news there. See what happens with his snap shares, everything. If he's playing, that's to me, I'm probably not touching Jordan Reed. Although, you know, I guess you can in, in tournaments. Everyone's technically in play on a slate this small, but I'm not touching Jordan Reed. Uh, probably going to end up going Kittle, especially if I got Beathard Kittle. I mean, you can really get a nice 49er stack here going against a uh, – poor defense you know you could go Beathard Jeff Wilson Jr. Kittle and Ajuke and you really you know I go for these triple and quadruple stacks in these small slates I think they're perfectly viable there's a lot of plays available here but if you think for whatever reason San Francisco's offense goes off on Arizona you know it's it's not a crazy thing anything is playable on these small slates you know you've got Beathard and Kittle both at 5K. There's 10K invested. You got Jeff Wilson Jr. sitting there at 5K as well. You can have all three of those guys in your lineup at 15, at only a 15 grand investment. I mean, that's incredibly cheap. And then as you get 6,700, you can load up on what could potentially for once be a reasonably concentrated offense at a very cheap price and still have plenty of money left over. So I think those are some of the angles you've got to take and consider right there. Dan Arnold's been coming along nicely. He's been targeted heavily. I think I'm off of Dan Arnold this game. I know he's been doing well, but I'm going to go ahead and bet up against him and not play any Cardinals um, uh, tight ends in this one. So on to Miami and Las Vegas, the third and final game, 8-15 Saturday night. A total of 47 and a half. The line is currently at three in favor of Miami. So uh, it looks like Derek Carr is healthy. This is not a game that's going to be too appealing to me, but I do think you can certainly consider a couple guys just due to injury. This is probably going to be the game most people end up fight, fading. I end up fading to it 5,400 against the Raiders. Um, not a very good defense. I think that's fine. I'm not playing Derek Carr against the Dolphins. Um, just not doing it. I I think they limit people's upside at that cheap range. I would rather Beathard at 5K than Carr at 5,100. This, this slate gets more unattractive every time I say I'd rather Beathard at 5K than Carr at 5,100. What a terrible... What a terrible thing to say. Um, Tua, 5,400. Again, he's fine by me. Josh Jacobs at 6,600. I think you can play Jacobs. If they're going to give him his full allotment of snaps and really load him down, Jacobs could be one of the top running back plays on this slate. I think it's just the frustrating thing with Jacobs is if Las Vegas falls behind, he's still not getting that, um, that late down and distance two-minute drill work that's still being funneled to uh, the Devontae Bookers and Jalen Richards and Theo Riddicks of the world. John Gruden likes to plug those guys in and those passing down two-minute drill um, when they're down seven, you know, when they're no longer in situation neutral. So 
I think that's something you got to keep in mind when plugging in Jacobs. If you think Miami runs away with it here, then you definitely got to consider that because that makes Jacobs, that really lowers his ceiling, makes him touchdown reliant. So, you know, if, if this game is close or Las Vegas leads, wins, then 100 yards, um, so you get the 100 yards, the bonus, maybe a couple catches and a possible touchdown is very likely for Jacobs. So depending on how you see this game flowing and happening, that's kind of where uh, your Jacobs um, interest is going to lead you there. You kind of got to let that determine it. If, if I'm sitting here going, I think Miami uh, sells out to stop Jacobs, then maybe I'm looking elsewhere in my running backs. If I'm thinking the opposite where, hey, they're going to try to come out, run the ball. John Gruden wants to get physical, run the ball. He doesn't want Carr throwing against the Savian Howard-led secondary that is just destroying teams and they just force Jacobs down their throat and are successful, then Jacobs is probably the top running back player on the slate. So I think that's how you've got to approach it. That's how you've got to think. you got to think of it from a tournament perspective, what you think is going to happen, plug him in or fade him, and then build around that. As for the Dolphins running backs, not touching them, just not interested at those prices. I don't think they offer me the upside I'm looking for, even though the Raiders' defense is very poor. As for wide receivers in this game, a lot of dirt cheap plays, but not a lot of interesting plays for me. I see Devontae Parker is questionable. So, you know, I think all these Dolphins weapons are questionable. If they get healthy and are playing, I like them. When Tua is at the helm, if Jakeem Grant is healthy, cleared, getting his full allotment of snaps, I like Jakeem Grant. He seems to get a couple extra targets with Tua playing. Um, Gusecki at 4,400. I think I'd still rather Hawkinson at 4,600. But we have seen Gusecki's targets, his opportunity tick up significantly the last few games, whereas he was seeing, you know, three, four, five targets there for a couple games in a row. He saw 11 targets against Cincinnati, six against Kansas City before exiting with an injury. Um, He would have had more targets had he not left early with an injury. Up to that point, he had 65 yards and a couple touchdowns. Gusecki is fantastic. Big fan of him. I think. He's always playable if he's healthy. If Tua's weapons are healthy and playing, then I'm more inclined to play him against the Raiders. Right now, for my cheap quarterbacks, I'd rather go Beathard. But if all these guys get healthy, then I'll definitely be looking Tua's way. But I got to see what ends up happening tomorrow with Parker Gasecki, Jakeem Grant. If all those guys are out again, then I think the overall ceiling of this game is limited. If you want to play roulette with the Raiders receivers, then be my guest, but I do think you're probably going to have to do so on a turn um, in large field tournaments. One of these guys may pop, although I think you're more successful just avoiding playing receivers against the Dolphins backfield. But at these cheap prices, you don't need a lot to return value. Um, you know, Aguilar, Frogs, all these guys, I think. You know, the number one receiver in this Raiders offense is Darren Waller. They wanted to go through Waller and Jacobs. So you got to look there first. And then you're basically seeing who pops here between wide receiver two and three between Aguilar and Ruggs. That's kind of what it comes down to. And they're touchdown dependent. You got to hope Ruggs holds on to a deep ball or car, finally connects with him, and he gets into the end zone. Same with Aguilar. These guys are not very interesting to me. But if you're desperate and you've got a hole in your lineup and you've got around four to 4,500 remaining, then picking between these two guys is reasonable. So last thing on this game, 
Lynn Bowden is once again playable if all those guys are out. If Jakeem Grant, Parker, Gusecki, all those guys are out, then you can look Lynn Bowden's way once again. But really with this game, it comes down to you just got to watch injury news going into it. There's still a lot of players questionable. The whole Dolphins skill position group is basically questionable. So you've got a a lot to consider when constructing these lineups because this is the last game. So it's unlikely I have a lot from this game considering the news. So, like I said, at tight end, Darren Waller, 7K, very unlikely I play him. I can see the Dolphins trying to shut him down. Like I said, Gasecki's fine. If Gasecki's out, I don't mind looking at Smithy. Durham Smithy, is that how you say his name? Smythe, however you say his name. If he can get a few targets there at 2,800 or even Adam Shaheen, that's fine by me as a nice little cheap play. So, once again on this game, guys, just there's a lot of news, a lot of questionable tags, a lot to follow. Uh, that kind of takes a lot of interest away from me in terms of this game. I'll likely be looking at Tempe, Detroit, San Francisco, Arizona games pretty heavily, and those will be the games I stack, correlate, and maybe I just grab a defense from Las Vegas, Miami. We'll see what what I end up deciding by tomorrow. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy a wonderful Christmas. I hope you took the over on Alvin Kamara's receiving yards. I think that was set at 45. I absolutely smashed that over. Uh, so going to get this live kick back, watch some Minnesota and New Orleans play each other. Hopefully we get a good game there. Hopefully we have a good weekend of DFS, make some money. We'll be out with a player pool for the Sunday slate later on, be out with some player props and try to get you guys as much content as possible in a busy season. But roster up has got you covered. Once again, you can find me at Cody Engel on Twitter. You can find us at Roster Up Media on Twitter. You can find Roster Up Media on Facebook. We've got a page there, post content, like us, follow us, share us. Find us rosterupmedia.com. Check us out on the website. A lot of good things happening, a lot of good things coming. We love you guys. Merry Christmas. Talk to you guys soon.